morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Here's what I want to do today. I want us to do a little surgery today. I want us to do a little open heart surgery. In fact, I want you to do surgery on yourself. Let me illustrate. One of my favorite illustrations, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane. Dr. Kane was a physician and a surgeon from the 1880s to the early 1930s. He served at Kane Summit Hospital in New York, and he had strong feelings regarding the use of general anesthesia. He believed many operations could be performed under local anesthesia, so he set out to prove the viability of local anesthesia. To do that, he needed a volunteer. He needs someone, needed a candidate for major surgery who would stay awake during the surgery. In his 37 years of distinguished surgery, he had done well over 4,000 appendectomies. They located a patient, they prepped the patient, they wheeled the patient in, and Dr. Kane did as he had done thousands of times before. He performed the surgery and removed the appendix. What's interesting is he proved his point. Again, the year was 1921. He was 60, and he was the patient. He did surgery on himself to prove the viability of local anesthesia. So that's what I want us to do today. I want you to do surgery on yourself. I don't want to do surgery on you, but through the Word of God, I want you to do surgery on yourself. Why? Because as we will see, John says in our text today that our hearts condemn us. I like to say it this way, our hearts beat us up. And the scar tissue left behind from all the beatings keeps us from having the assurance of salvation that He so wants us to have. Sometimes it's difficult to have assurance when our hearts condemn us. When our hearts beat us up. So we continue our study in 1 John. There's a picture of Dr. Kane. Sorry, kind of old. We continue our study in 1 John called Blessed Assurance. Again, he doesn't quite use the same language of beating ourselves up. But here's what he says. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us, whenever our hearts beat us up. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. So again, He says our hearts condemn us. I'm going to say our hearts beat us up. Let me illustrate in a couple of ways. When I was growing up, I didn't watch much boxing, still don't. But when Muhammad Ali, whoop, when Muhammad Ali, whoop, when Muhammad Ali was fighting Joe Frazier, smoking Joe Frazier, 
I watched. People watched. People tuned in. There was the hype. There was the talk. They fought three times, with the last one being the thriller in Manila. They pounded each other ruthlessly. They beat each other up ruthlessly. It's amazing to me what boxers will do. They'll beat each other up for money, and you'll say, yeah, it's a lot of money, yeah, to get beat up. But they beat each other up so that someone will be crowned a champion. They beat each other up to make a living. They beat each other up to, to make money, and people still watch. But listen, you don't have to watch TV to watch people beat themselves up. You don't even have to do the pay-per-view and pay good money because just look around. Our hearts condemn us. Here's how. People will beat each other up verbally. We do it all the time. Some of y'all feel beat down right now. You feel beat down every day you go to work. We beat each other up over the schools we attend, because my school's better than your school. And we say, well, I'm just joking. But we'll beat each other up. We beat each other up over football, over athletics. We really beat each other up over politics. We beat each other up over the state you grew up in. Oh, you grew up in... Richie, you grew up in Oklahoma? We beat each other up over church over doctrine, over religion, closely related to the verbal beatings or the emotional beatings we inflict on each other. I was just kidding. But the emotional beatings that are left behind, we inflict beatings over relationships, over kids, on our kids, on our spouses, on each other. We can beat people to a pulp verbally and emotionally. But the one that perhaps amazes me the most is how we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up over past relationships, failed relationships, failed tests, for being out of shape, for being too fat, too tall, for not listening, for not doing enough, for doing too much. I don't spend enough time with my kids. I spend too much time at work. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good wife, husband, friend. I've made some really bad financial decisions. We beat ourselves to a pulp because of the skeletons we have in our closet. I mean, who in this room has not beat themselves up over past mistakes or past failures or past sins? And for sure, for sure, we beat ourselves up as we stand before God. Why would God ever love someone like me? I mean, I've messed up way too many times. There's no way God would love me. There's no way God would accept me. There's no way I can have assurance of salvation. And before long, we are so beat up, we begin to wonder if we should even try in the first place. I don't even know why I read my Bible. It doesn't do any good, and I just keep sinning. I don't know why I go to church. I don't know why I worship, and we just beat ourselves up. You already saw this because it went too fast. You know, if we could just be like Superman. I remember Christopher Reeve in the 1978 Superman, and at the end of the movie, Lex Luthor fires off two missiles, and obviously Superman's not going to get to both of them. And one of them creates a big old crack earthquake, and, 
and Lois Lane's car goes down in the crack and she dies because Superman's not there. And Superman does what he's not supposed to do. He starts spinning around the earth and making the, turn, the earth go backwards. He intervenes with history so that he can take the earth back in time so that he can save Lois Lane. We're thinking, if I could just do that with my past mistakes, if I could just go back and erase, if I could just go back in time, the past mistakes and the skeletons in the closet, and if I could just go change those events in history, wouldn't it be great if I could just change my mess-ups? Here's the problem. We'd be going back in time all the time, fixing our mess-ups. Listen, John says our hearts condemn us and we will beat ourselves up. And maybe you know people who will beat themselves up all the time. I mean, that's all they do. They just beat themselves up all the time, all the time, all the time. We're going to talk about the why. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, beating yourself up might make you feel better. But it doesn't make you more spiritual. (laughs) He says it just makes you annoying. It's interesting, I know people that'll beat themselves up and they'll say, well, it just makes me feel better. Never heard Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier say, man, I feel better after this beating. (laughs) But think about it. The people you know, which would be you, we beat ourselves up because we feel like if we beat ourselves up, we'll feel better because we beat ourselves up. Oh, I feel better because I beat myself up for whatever the mistake. Listen, folks, beating yourself up doesn't improve your standing with God. Beating yourself up improves your standing with you. That's all it does. It doesn't change your standing with God. So here's what I want to do today. I want to do a little open heart surgery. I want you to to look at your heart. During the past year, I've told you, I've given a lot of attention to my heart, and I've been given a lot of instruction, and the heart is serious business. You know it's serious business. All you have to do is go to the grocery store, and as soon as you go to the checkout line, one of the magazines is going to say something about your heart and what you feed your heart, because what you feed your body and what you feed your heart is important. And so what we feed ourselves spiritually influences our heart spiritually. And John's been giving us spiritual food for our hearts throughout this short letter. We've been calling them identifying marks. So here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to improve your heart so your heart won't condemn you. So you stop beating yourself up. All right? Number one, feed your heart with a good walk. My cardiologist said, I want you walking an hour a day. Because if I do, it's healthy. And if I can't, it tells him something. All right? So feed your spiritual heart with a good walk. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. So spend some time walking with Jesus. Number two, feed your heart by following doctor's orders. Listen, I know some of y'all aren't good at this. (laughs) 
loved my dad to death, but after my dad would go to the doctor, he would decide what medicines he would and wouldn't take. We're just, just take the medicine. Just do what the doctor says. So, if Jesus is the great physician, let's follow his instruction. We know that we've come to know him if we follow his commands. If you follow his commands, it's good for your heart. All right? Number three, feed your heart with love. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. When you love your brothers, your heart's right with God, and your heart's healthy. Number four, feed your heart with a healthy lifestyle. It's tough. You go to the doctor and he says, do this, 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 and this, and don't do this, and this, and this, and this, and it's tough. It's also tough spiritually. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who's born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. So it's healthy if we strive not to sin. Next, feed your heart by helping others. There's so many studies that will tell you that if you focus your attention outside of you on someone else, it's healthy in so many ways. It's also healthy for your heart, spiritually speaking. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? But there's one more from our text today. These have all been from 1 John. One more from our text today that may be the best prescription. The best prescription that John gives. The best prescription to keep your heart from condemning you. To keep your heart from beating you up. Alright? And it would be this. You need to give your heart a rest. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us. I like that terminology. This then is how we know. This then is how we set our hearts at rest. John says, give your heart a rest. I mean, have you ever been around someone, maybe yourself, look in the mirror, and you're just beating yourself up and beating yourself up and beating yourself up, and you tell someone, hey, just give it a rest. John says, just give it a rest. Give your heart a rest. Now, again, this last year, I've been giving my heart a lot of attention, a lot of appointments, medication, exercise, trying to eat better, trying to give my heart a rest, taking medicine to slow my heart down, to give my heart a rest so it'll heal and be healthier. Think about that. When you go to the gym and work out, when you lift weights, when you go for a jog or a walk, your heart is beating faster and faster and faster. And at some point, you're going to have to give it a rest. And John says, when your heart's condemning you, and when your heart's beating you up, and when you're beating yourself up, give it a rest. How do we do that? How do we give our hearts a rest? John says, take charge of your heart. Take control of your heart. Give God control of your heart. Tell your heart, you're not going to beat me up. You're not going to condemn me. Now, why? Let me give you this scripture again. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and God lives in them. Some of you all need to read that on a regular basis. Remind yourself on a regular basis. God lives 
in us. God lives in me. In spite of your mistakes, in spite of your sins, in spite of the skeletons in the closet, in spite of all the stuff that you beat yourself up over, God lives in you. I like this quote. This is a great quote. I know it's a great quote because I stole it. When God sees you, He doesn't want to move on. When God sees you, He wants to move in. God lives in you. So when you're wanting to beat yourself up, the God living in you doesn't want you to do that. Give God control of your heart. Now, go back and listen to the lessons we did on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of reasons God gives us the Holy Spirit. When we become Christ followers, He gives us the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. He gives us the Holy Spirit to change our status. When we're born again and baptized and we become Christ followers and God gives us His Spirit to live in us, it changes who we are. We're children of God. And here's the result. Here's the result. If our hearts do not condemn us, we can have confidence before God. And with that confidence comes that assurance. So if we teach our hearts not to condemn us, if you'll stop beating yourself up, now, for some reason, we think if we can just beat ourselves up enough, maybe just maybe God will love me more. Maybe just maybe God will love me in some way. I mean, if God just knew how badly I feel, how much I've beaten myself up, He'll look down and say, Wow, you whooped yourself something fierce. I love you so much. Now, we may laugh at that, but we live that way on a daily basis. Listen, folks, God doesn't love you because of who you are. God loves you because of who He is. We'll see that in chapter 4. It's His DNA. It's who He is. God is love. So let me tell you this. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. So stop beating yourself up. Stop letting your heart condemn you. God's not going to love you more because you beat yourself up. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. So stop letting your heart condemn you. Listen, folks, if you think beating yourself up will make God love you more, then you're saying that what Jesus did at the cross wasn't enough. Because Jesus went to the cross and got beat up. So that we don't have to beat ourselves up. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God accepts us. So do some heart surgery today and take control of your heart health. Don't let your heart condemn you. That's why we're reading through 1 John. We want to have this assurance. And the assurance doesn't come in who we are. The assurance comes in who He is. And we want to have our, um, that assurance. Again, your standing with God's not about what you do. Your standing with God's about what Jesus did at the cross. Let's pray.